Welcome to the Rewatchables. We're brought to you by SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons podcast, the easiest way to shop for the best tickets thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. This is a podcast Chris Ryan and I did a few months ago about any given Sunday, a movie that came out in 1999 um, was polarizing at the time and has become exceedingly rewatchable. It is not a rewatchable Hall of Famer. I'm not even sure it's an honorable mention for the rewatchables, but it is a sports movie Hall of Famer. And we've moved all the old sports movie Hall of Fame podcasts we have done. And actually we did Jerry Maguire, Moneyball, Blue Chips, White Men Can Jump, and Any Given Sunday. So if you miss those, check out the rewatchables feed here. Inch by inch is Any Given Sunday. Chris <laughs> Ryan here. How you doing? We did Jerry Maguire. We did Moneyball. Yeah. It seemed like uh it's it seemed like slightly more people listen to Moneyball. Oh, statistically, did you look at the advanced statistically, metrics? The advanced <laughs> metrics of the Moneyball podcast yeah. was about zero point two. That might say something higher. demographically about your audience now. Yeah, you're maybe, younger. Maybe people think Jerry Maguire is a rom com. Well, any given Sunday is not a rom com. And I'm coincidentally, so it's been on recently. On HBO, they've been running uh, what they've been calling a director's cut, which is funny because it's six minutes shorter than the actual theatrical release. There's a couple release. of director's cuts out there that are like that, where it'll be like the movie is is actually worse because the director's cut or shorter because the director's cut. I personally like the four hour when yeah. they just get the whole thing. Well, if you're going to do a director's cut, make it different. Yeah. Like the almost famous director's cut is like, what, 30 minutes longer? And it has all the extra scenes that... Almost turn it into a different movie. The Miami Vice director's cut has a, a different it's a opening. Phenomenal. Yeah, you and I both love that yeah, movie. Yeah. So this one's not really that different. My my opinion: if you're gonna do a director's cut of any given Sunday, actually have a real director come in and get rid of all the crazy edits <laughs> that Oliver Stone made <laughs> and try to make a better movie. And it's so funny. I I am more conflicted about this movie as a sports movie than I think any other movie we're gonna do, other than maybe he got game. There's so many good pieces in this movie and I enjoy it so damn much. And then there's some spots where Oliver Stone just goes iso ball. Just, He's like, clear yeah. out, clear out. Yeah. It's just Oliver Stone on the wing, waving everybody away from him. It's, Every once in a while, just randomly. Yeah. It's like, we, we've just scored 12 straight, Oliver Stone. And no, it's no, like, no, no, no. We don't want to iso him. Him coming out of natural born killers. Cause so this was like a pretty, you know, fertile period for Stone, but he had started to decline a little bit, I think commercially. And Nixon didn't do as well as he had hoped, but he had still had that like U-turn. He had U-turn. And he had done U-turn. Yeah. Nixon, it was going to be Nixon any given Sunday. And in between the two, he slapped U-turn in there. And that was just like one of the weirder watches you're going to get if you yeah. check that out. Jennifer Lopez, Sean Penn, kind of like a Hitchcockian Western thriller. It's not very good. Yeah. But you still see a lot of the stuff that he started doing with natural born killers he's applying like these kind of like kinetic fast cuts i think there's like something like three thousand cuts i can't remember there's some insane 3, amount in this movie jfk is a little bit of that too exactly different film stocks different like flashbacks using newsreel footage all this stuff this movie tends to use some of that those same formal tricks but to sort of try to paint uh these football players as like 
Guardians of Heaven, like ben gladiators. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gladiators. Exactly. So um, it's the kind of thing you can imagine him in some Hollywood Hills house explaining the movie to somebody. He's like, so it's going to be a football movie. <laughs> it's going to expose what football really like, how yeah. brutal it is. But during the movie, I'm going to intercut some Ben-Hur <laughs> and some Gladiator. Every once in a while, Dennis Quaid's yeah. face will dissolve <laughs> into the sky. <laughs> People in leather helmets. Yeah. And it's going to be old school, new school. That's what I'm going. And people are like, good. Yeah, Oliver, it sounds great. Good idea. So I think one of the main things we're going to talk about with this, this movie came out in 1999. We're going to probably talk about how prescient it was. But I did want to ask you, what was your, do you remember what you thought of it when it came out? Not only do I remember, I saw it in the theater and I think I wrote a review about it on my old website. And the the big takeaway for me, I had three takeaways. One, it's just like classic Pacino. Yeah. And I think that still holds up. Two, it was a breakout movie for Jamie Foxx. This was the guy from In Living Color and a variety show who just, I don't think anybody had ever really considered as a real actor. No. And he was a revelation in this movie. It's like, wow, Jamie, when it came out that he was playing the quarterback, it seemed crazy. It's like, really? Jamie Foxx? Yeah, he'd been in great white hype and random roles in The Truth About Cats and Dogs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like they couldn't get Will Smith. Did Will Smith pass? It turned out Puff Daddy was the one that passed or got fired, depending on whose story you believe. Yeah. I believe that Puff Daddy threw like a girl story. That's the one. And then the other one is the the other thing I also believe is that this movie just kept getting postponed and postponed and postponed. And he was like, I'm... I have a have lot of money this. on the line to go on a tour. I have to get out of here if you guys aren't going to make this money. <laughs> but uh, the 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 third part of this, which still holds up, is the cuts. Yeah. And the fact that in the theater, it almost made you sick. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like a disorienting. And after two, it's like it was like 170 minutes in the theater. It's Yeah, it's a two and, and a half hour movie. Like as it, yeah. And after a while, you're just like, your head spinning. Like, hey, a, a scene that should have been really great that wasn't because Stone was just out of his mind with the directing was when Fox goes to Pacino's house and they have that kind of the conflict. And it's it's right when Beeman's really starting to feel himself and Pacino's going old school yeah. and they're trying to have this moment. And it's too, it's a great actor and somebody who's about to be a very good actor having kind of a moment and Stone's just cutting away yeah. and he's showing pictures. <laughs> and it's like, can I just enjoy this? I just, can it's I actually, that's act? actually a really cool scene. Yeah. 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 Just stay out of the way, Oliver. So let's start with Pacino. Sure. He's basically playing the, the heat cop. Yes. What's the heat cop's name? Uh, Vincent Hanna. He's playing Vincent Hanna now. Vincent Hanna has left the Miami, <laughs> the Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Police Force, yeah. and now is a football is a longtime football coach. Thirty seven years in the game. Thirty seven years I in think, the game. I think when they when they start this movie, who who is he? Like Jeff, like a less successful or more successful Jeff Fisher. I get the impression. I mean, the, this movie's right on the edge to where the, the coaches all sort of started changing their looks. So I, I saw him more as like a the last of the Bear Bryant, Tom Landry types. Oh, like yeah, a, like the Chuck Knoll, Don Shula, yeah, residue life era, right. guys who've just been with the same team. Shula, yeah, the era before Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, where guys are coming in from college or leaving after three or four years. So he plays Tony D'Amato, and he's basically on his way out. He's got this new owner. The daughter, played by Cameron Diaz, Peak Diaz. Yeah. She's wants to make changes. 
Who's who's the offensive coordinator's name? It's Aaron Nick, Eckhart playing Nick Crozier. Nick Crozier. <laughs> yeah. Who's like a Josh McDaniels type. I have a whole Nick Crozier thing. Yeah. Right, we'll do it now. Let's hear <laughs> well, it. Well, it's just that I am I so Nick Crozier, this movie comes out in nineteen ninety nine. I think that there is a eighty five percent chance that Lane Kiffin sees this movie and decides to become <laughs> an offensive coordinator based on it. He starts nice. working at USC two years later. You're telling me that he didn't see any given Sunday and said, wait. Aaron Eckhart's definitely the star of that movie. Yeah, and all this stuff him. in there about like he wants to air it out. It's all yeah. about modernizing the game. And then he's like bucking against D'Amato and he's telling the owner, he's Christine Paganacci or whatever yeah. Cameron Diaz's character's name. Weird name. And she's he's like, I'm not going to spend another year under him. And you see that actually. And this is crazy. Is that this random Oliver Stone movie that came out in 1999? You see this play out all the time with these hot shit offensive coordinators who want to get out from under their like conservative coaches. This just happened with Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban. I know it's it taps into so many things that either were happening that nobody had put in a movie or still happen to this day. Like the offensive coordinator breathing down the old head coach. Yeah. The owner trying to be a shifter. Like she, first of all, the fact that there's two Miami teams in this movie is hilarious. Yeah. Well, so is it two Miami teams in the, uh, here's one thing I never got clear about this. Is this the only football league or is there also an NFL? In this, in this, they never really acknowledge you because they're like the crosstown rival, like they have a crosstown Miami rival or whatever. But they never said who it was. Okay. So she wants to move to LA because they're going to build her a new stadium. Right. Which are basically, by the way, Something that happened in the NFL for 20 years is people threatening to leave wherever they were as to go to LA. Young, like the, as is this, the, you know, someone basically inheriting a team from their parents. Right. Yeah. She wants to get rid of Pacino, who's past his prime, and promote Nick Crozier. Yeah. And she wants to build the team around Willie Beeman and cut Cap Rooney, who's Dennis Quaid's character, the old 39 year old quarterback, yeah. two time Pantheon Cup champion, and LT, who played Shark, Shark Laveau. Shark, Shark LeVay. Shark yeah. LeVay. Luther Shark LeVay. She wants to get rid of those two and build around Willie Beeman and Crozier. Good plan. I think she's a good owner. <laughs> so she's basically this movie was Moneyball before it came out. It was like, great ideas. Little, yeah. Christina Pagniacci yeah. really was way ahead of the her time. The best part is the, her introduction is she's this really agitated presence in the owner's box. And in the first scene in the movie, Dennis Quaid gets crunched on a high-low sack. He plays uh, yeah. Jack, quote, Cap Rooney. You know, that's his nickname, Cap. Cap Rooney. He's basically and, Dan Marino slash Brett Favre yeah. seven years later. And apparently the hitting was so real in the filming that the guy who was like Quaid's stunt double almost tore his ACL on that <laughs> right. hit. And it's great because she's immediately getting on the phone and she's like, I got to find out the market for quarterbacks. Like, what's this guy doing? Get me this guy. And you think that that's crazy. But then when you watch the Joneses in the Cowboys owner's box, you're like, yeah. I can totally see them doing that. I agree. The, the characters from this movie, that would be the most fun in real life if they were actually in the NFL. She's probably number one. Oh, yeah. If you had a hot female owner who's kind of like Dan Snyder, if Dan Snyder was a hot blonde. Yeah. And Angie amazing. Dickinson is around, who's kind of still there, but yeah. he's like, yeah. With like a drunk, hot 40 years ago mom kind of lingering who always has a drink in her hand. There's that great scene when she goes into the locker room and Stone's just like, I need it. I need an extra who looks like a football player who has the biggest dong imaginable. <laughs> and Cameron's going to come in and walk right by him. She just walks by the guy, but it, it's actually a really effective scene because it shows like she's been around football her yeah. whole life. She's not intimidated by these guys, but she just waltzes in. Willie Beeman ends up hitting on her. But back to Pacino, this was, I think, his last great performance. This and this is a great actor who his first major movie was uh, Godfather One, which was 1972. 
goes all the way. He's him and De Niro are the most important actors of the seventies. Kind of takes a break in the in the eighties for reasons that remain unclear. Did some Broadway, might have had some personal issues. Comes back with See You Love, and then just starts ripping off movies really for the next ten years. Finally wins the Oscar for Son of a Woman. Heat's a classic. He does uh, Any Given Sunday and The Insider in ninety nine. That's pretty much right. the, the. I think the, the Insider was first, and yeah. then the, the only other one he did was Insomnia. But we're talking about four years later. He's in, in Gili. Yeah, and it's the wheels have come off, and he's turned into the Son of a Woman, Pacino, and everything. And Bill Hader's doing impressions of yeah. him. He's really great in this movie. And when we're researching it. Initially, it was Clint Eastwood. And he wanted to direct it. He wanted to direct it as well. If Clint Eastwood is the coach... It's a totally different movie. If Clint Eastwood directs it, it's a totally different movie. Well, it's it an might hour not be 40. Yeah, yeah, it's it, an hour 40. It's 89 minutes. It ends, it ends <laughs> abruptly. Yeah. Uh, but then the second one that they went for was who? I uh, De Niro. Down. Oh, De Niro, yeah. Doesn't work I don't think that would have worked. No. Yeah. Doesn't work at all. Pacino's perfect because, you know, there's like five... He has like five great scenes in this movie. The, the inches speech, which yeah. we'll get to later. The dinner with Beeman, which we did just discussed. The at halftime with Dennis Quaid. Yeah. After after Caparini plays in the first half with his broken body, and, and he's like, I will never forget what you did. <laughs> that was great. Uh, the ending after the game, walking on the field with Willie when they finally find common ground. It's just great Pacino. And then I got to say the ending that's one of the best sports movie endings. This sort of where everybody has their sort of postscript kind of. Yeah, it's it's credits. It's like, oh, the movie's over. And yeah. it's like Pacino's comes in and he's like, I decided to leave. And thank you to Christina Pagniucci. <laughs> I think Nick Croce is going to do a great job. And he does the whole thing. And it's like, oh, this is nice. And then he's like, I decided to take a job with that new expansion team in Albuquerque. <laughs> Albuquerque. It's like Albuquerque. They have an expansion team. And I signed Willie Beeman as my franchise player. It's like, what? What rules are this? I know, seriously, it's the Beeman rule. He exploited the Beeman rule. I guess he was a third string quarterback. His, his contract probably wasn't that like solid. No. I, I mean, he'd been, he had been on his fourth team, but the, the most incredible part of this movie and it's a movie that somebody's eyeball comes out of their eye in a hit. Yeah. Is that Albuquerque got a, got I, a football expansion I would expansion love team. any given Sunday too, when they're like the Albuquerque <laughs> breaks the record for least people, least amount of people at a, at a stadium for the first AFL <laughs> season. I also, you know, I kind of want to talk about this. I'm not so sure Tony D'Amato is a good coach. No, he's not, but great speeches. Do you know what I mean? Great speeches. Yeah. But there's a lot of bewilderment. First of all, I never trust a coach who the guy closest to him is the doctor. In all the shots (laughs) on the sideline, it's James Woods who plays perfectly named Dr. Harvey Mandrake, the orthopedist for the team. Have you ever seen a cutaway shot to the sideline when the orthopedist is standing next to the head coach and kind of like clapping and is like, yeah, great great call, Tony. Powerful doctor. So there's just a lot of like bewilderment on his part. He's got his like play call sheet but he does a lot of not just talking to nick in the booth but turning around to look at him while he's up in the booth like i would love to see that if jason garrett was like turning around being like what are you doing to me down here (laughs) it's awesome it's just like those little things that they get slightly wrong that are really amusing but i just don't think tony's actually a good coach do you think when they did the Breaking Bad prequel, they thought about having Albuquerque having the expansion oh, team there amazing. and then those guys having season the tickets? The Albuquerque expanded universe. That would be great. I was like, I always wanted them to cross movies and TV shows, things like that. We'll get back to to uh, Pacino, but you mentioned Dr. Harvey Mandrake. Jimmy Woods. Jimmy Woods. <laughs> yeah. You and I both love Jimmy Woods more than anyone. <laughs> I've watched Against All Odds. Yeah. 
which is a pretty terrible eighties movie, but it's like James Woods, just peak James Woods out of his mind being James Woods doing James Wade's like in car, car races and trying to kill people. I almost wonder why his career wasn't better. I think, who I, doesn't enjoy James I, Woods? Why wasn't he in like an HBO show? James Woods seems like a kind of litigious person right now. Is that now. what it is? Is he like so? I just little... don't want to venture too many guesses about what could. I mean, I think he's just got a, a, a very distinctive personality. Re- reputation is being difficult. Yeah, perhaps. Would be your right? Guess? I think they because in the early eighties and late seventies, you're afraid of James Woods. <laughs> well, that's pretty, he just sued a dead <laughs> guy. Yeah, he sued a dead guy. He'll definitely sue Chris Ryan. Um, you know, he was in uh, the Onion Field and Once Upon a Time in America, and he was in. Salvador, which is his first time with with um with Oliver Stone. I think he's just like a really good he's just like one of those unique presences. I mean it doesn't yeah. even matter what the movie is, it's just you're always gonna get James Woods. He's who a likable completely villain. batshit. Right. Yeah. He's always James Woods, no matter what the character is. James Woods could actually slip in here. I mean, this is a little earlier than what the Sports Movie Hall of Fame parameters are. But yeah. I could actually see James Dickstown is actually an underrated sports movie with Lou Gossett Jr. Yeah. No? Yeah. I'll have to watch it again. When it, we talked about the, how this movie is prescient. Yeah. It wasn't just with the owner and all the stuff they're trying to do, but the concussions and the painkillers, which is why it's so funny that the NFL, maybe funny is not the right word. Like It took them another 10 years to even acknowledge that football might cause concussions. Yeah. And you have this movie and Varsity Blues came out the same year. Concussions are a huge part of this. Like here's some quotes. Caparuni. I got blank spots in my memory. I shake. I can't even hold a spoon. Uh, LT's character. How about another shot, Doc? Give me some of that cortisone shit. Uh, Tony to Cap, you just need the needle. Diaz, when she's talking about how she'd cut LT, nobody's going to sign a $2 million concussion case. Yeah. These are all lines of the movie. In the movie, LT has three concussions in five months. They get him to sign a paralysis death waiver right. before the final big game. Now, for these are all things worth, going on in yeah. a 1999 football movie. And you, you know, the, 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 your mileage may vary on how reliable this source is, but Barry Switzer, who appears in this movie, was kind of like, this is kind of ridiculous. There's some stuff in here that's just totally insane, like making a guy sign a paralysis waiver. Not the eyeball coming out of <laughs> the guy's eye. That Not was LT chainsawing yeah. an SUV <laughs> yeah. at a party. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a, like sort of the tor- turning point in the movie in a lot of ways is when. James James Woods's character, Dr. Harvey Mandrake, is fired because Matthew Modine, who's the internist and is the guy sort of responsible, I guess, for them being... He's the, he's the good doctor. Yeah, he's the good doctor. He kind of rats him out to, to coach and says that, that Mandrake's been switching test results and skewering people and feeding these guys drugs. It's pretty, I mean, it's, it's very seedy. It's got that, it's perfect that it's in Miami because it has a kind of like... It has that sweaty grease all over the movie where it's kind of like, yeah, I bet there is like a mini mall where people guys, guys go to get steroids here. Oh, no question. It, it does pass the rule of any movie filmed in Miami is a good movie or at least a watchable movie. <laughs> yes. Even Pain and Gain, which yeah. is a terrible movie, but it was set in Miami and I enjoyed it. So it doesn't the, really matter what happens. They had initially sort of been in working in conjunction with the NFL and they had, they, you know, I think somebody from NFL films sent stone, a bunch of footage to work from yeah. Oliver Stone's big thing was that he had seen saving private Ryan and he wanted the football scenes in the movie to feel like saving private Ryan. And, uh, he started watching some of this footage. And then as soon as the NFL found out what the movie was about, they were like, we're not cooperating with this, you know? And they probably shouldn't have. Right. And that, that was one of the things when it came out, it was supposed to be like an unflinching look at professional football. Yeah. But yet, 
it had LL Cool J as the running back and right. Jamie Foxx as the quarterback. So people didn't and really Bill know Bellamy what to make a wide of receiver. <laughs> right. But Oliver Stone had a lot of juice at the time. Sure. So yeah. It still was... I, I would compare it. I think Tarantino is obviously a much better and more accomplished director, but it was still... If he was releasing a movie, Oliver Stone, it got everyone's attention. It was in the same decade that he had made uh, JFK. I mean, this is yeah. he's still a pretty major dude. But even Natural Born Killers, I yeah. think, was was a really ahead of its time type movie. So then when he would have a misfire like U-Turn, we still knew it was like, oh, U-Turn, are you going to go see it? The reviews are bad. Well, it's Stone. Like he had, it was at least in that mode. But he's pretty nuts at this point. There's a really he's good untold story of Any Given Sunday on Complex that our buddy Thomas Galeanopoulos wrote. And uh, that's where we got the P. Diddy yeah, story. And there's a great point where this director of photography shows up for the first day on the set and Stone comes up to him and says, welcome to Vietnam. Right. This is for any given Sunday, not platoon or board on the 4th of July. Right. And he's just like, what the fuck is going on? And they wind up, they, it's because Stone was like putting GoPros on guys' heads before you could even do that. But like putting a steady cam on a pogo stick and sticking it in between guys were playing football in this movie. Yeah. You forget like the NFL in the, in the nineties and the early two thousands, like the way they filmed the game was really primitive. They just used a wide shot of the game and it wasn't until this movie and then the ZFL when they put the camera behind yeah. the quarterback. Now you watch like that's the most important camera that we have at any NFL game. Right. That that dangling thing right behind the QB when you can see what Rogers sees. The NFL wasn't filmed like that. So you see a movie like any given Sunday in the theater. It's like, oh, I feel like I'm in the game yeah. finally. Yeah. And uh, so that that part was cool. This is 99. So that's right around greatest show on turf. Yeah. Well, what's funny is Willie Beeman. Jamie Foxx's yeah. character, who, you know, he's the third string quarterback, black, different kind of style. Um, he's supposed to represent like the future of where stuff's going. Mm -hmm. Cap Rooney's like the old school, traditional white quarterback, tough, going to have to carry him out to get him out of the game. And then Jamie Foxx is the stereotypical new wave character. He's me, me, me. He makes a rap video. It's kind of hit some, yeah. some beats that... I wouldn't say they're racist, but they're definitely a little stereotypical. They're probably like they, he, whether intentionally or not, he pushes it so far just to make his point, but it winds up making the movie feel a little bit aged. It's like a little stereotypical. Yeah, yeah. It's a little stereotypical, but, um, but Willie Beeman's an amazing character. Yeah. I love that. The, that conversation, the, the thing about that, that scene with Pacino when they're having, when they're talking about whether or not he's going to ever like respect the game and he's a quarterback, right. you know, a leader, like all these yeah, guys yeah. Have break one. their ribs. But, and, but his whole story about how like I got screwed in this recruiting thing or like when a booster gave me a suit to wear to some other guy's wedding that I didn't even know. And then when I got like, in, like, what does he go to junior college or the pros? And like, they try to make him into a cornerback. He said he dropped five rounds. He made him quarterback. He said it wasn't racism. It was placism. Yeah. And he's like, I had to try and tackle guys that are like a hundred pounds heavier than I am. And he's like, this is like hurt my shoulder and they wouldn't let me get better and all this stuff. It's actually really detailed. It's pretty interesting. And unfortunately, Oliver Stone kept cutting away to Gladiator and Ben Hurd. Right? <laughs> right. Pacino said, you're a goddamn quarterback. You know what that means? It's tough spot, kid. It's a guy that takes the fall. <laughs> Who will break their ribs and their noses in their necks for you because they believe, because you make them believe that's a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. There's some definite overwriting in this script, but yeah. I still enjoy it. It's apparently like it was like three or four different scripts for different movies that were oh, like yeah, that mended just... together. It was like the guy who wrote the doctor stuff 
he actually wound up becoming becoming a doctor on Biggest Loser. Yeah. And he but he used to be the doctor at like the Rams, I think. He's he, actually, I think Jimmy Kimmel's doctor. Is he really? Yeah. No Jimmy way. Kimmel knows him really well. Yeah. <laughs> is Jimmy like, give me the needle? It <laughs> <laughs> is the courtesan. Yeah. But uh but so the Willie Beeman happens in ninety nine. And it's right there in this wave of, oh, here comes the black quarterback yeah. was a big storyline. The next year, Aaron Brooks on New Orleans kind of reenacted the Willie Beeman thing a little bit. He came in off the bench. He was pretty good. He was he, They had a very similar style with mm-hmm. the way they played. And I remember I had a column on my old website at the time, like, oh, my God, it's Willie Beeman. Like, this, it's finally happened. But I mean, I grew up in Philly with Randall Cunningham, and it was just like the amount of time I spent for like the first 15 years of my life seemingly – Listening to people debate whether or not Randall Cunningham was a pocket passer or not, whether or like, not he, yeah, like, who even cares? Yeah, but it's just like it was insane yeah. how much people were like, "Well, I mean, you know, that's not really a quarterback, you know? Right. Like, he's a running back or yeah, quarterback." Yeah. Well, then Michael Vick shows up yeah. a couple years after this movie and pulls it in. But you know, I think it's really important when you rewatch this movie because Jamie Foxx is now a star. I don't know what the equivalent would be of right now. What to the 2017 version of this, where you'd be like, "That guy's." The- the whatever, like I thought between this and Ali, all of a sudden I was like, Jamie Foxx is a real yeah, actor. Like, yeah, Jamie yeah. Foxx has good scenes in Ali. A couple Ali. years later, he does Collateral, and that kind yeah. of solidifies it. But right? I'm not sure who else could have played Willie Beeman. Yeah, it's if tough. you go through, it's like Will Smith, probably too famous at that point, but I don't think he would have been a good. I kind of have a lot of respect for all the guys in this movie because you know. They had real football players playing in all the other positions. Yeah. Like Ricky Waters is in this movie, Terrell Owens, uh, you know, LT's out there. And I guess a lot of the extras were basically XFL or Arena Football League guys or played Canadian football if they had, they they weren't already NFL guys. So like even if there are stunt doubles, those guys all pretty much look passable as athletes. I think Fox was the most realistic quarterback we've had. I, there's probably other people who are equal to him, but he's in the conversation. Yeah. Like Reynolds was was great in Longest Yard going way back. Um, Brendan Fraser in School Ties, <laughs> really good, really yeah. effective. Now now he's an overweight security guard in The Affair. Uh, overweight, uh, what is he, correctional guard or whatever. But it's it's very rarely have we had somebody that really does look like a quarterback. Yeah, It's usually like a Vanderbeek type situation where they're – cutting him from weird angles and you yeah, know, it's, but it's, I really believe that he could have been a quarterback. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a little short, but that's about it. But he actually plays that up where it's like cap is so tall and kind of like the statuesque quarterback and Beeman has almost like a Drew Brees kind of like jumping over the line to see kind of right. thing. Yeah. How'd you feel about uh, Bill Bellamy as not the Terrell Owens. I don't. I don't know who it would have been. Yeah, I don't know who he's supposed to be. I mean, like his. He's scene more in the, like an Andre Johnson, but Andre his scene Johnson in the bathroom with it. LL Cool J is pretty legendary. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, the, but he talks about his sausage. Yeah, he he's in there. LL Cool J convincing running back. Yeah, and me, also me, a really me, good, mine. I got to get mine. Yeah, all that. like it's Ricky Waters type of like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was kind of what the running back, the stereotypical running back, was at the time. Right. Me, me, me. I got to get mine. All that stuff. Like that actually was pretty realistic. They, so he has a fight with Fox in this movie in the shower. Yeah. That I always thought was a real fight. I actually always thought he punched him in the shower. And then come to find out when researching this movie, the fight actually happened on the sideline. Yeah. When they got into it on the sideline, and apparently, oh, Cool J punched him. And Fox got mad. He was like, don't do that again. So they filmed this scene from another angle, and he kind of hit him again. And then they just Fox went lost at it. it. Yeah. 
And apparently all cool J one, but there's a lot of bitterness after the fact with them for a couple of years. Then eventually they made up, but that's one of those early internet stories that would have been so much more fun oh, in 2017. Yeah, if like Drake, yeah, you know, <laughs> Drake and Jamar DeRozan get in a fight, yeah, yeah, or whatever, like that would have been awesome. So, can I ask you a question? Like now, it seems like you watch this movie and it almost seems tame compared to what we think about the NFL now, right? Do you think it seems tame? Because like there's I mean, I there's a cocaine hooker bathroom scene, an eyeball comes out of an eye. There's cortisone. Some and- of the violent stuff, like in terms of on the field, like I think that the game, it looks just looks different now. I mean, when you watch football and yeah. that, this, this sort of captures that part where I remember when we were kids, like growing up and it's like, I would just remember Phil Sims handing off to Joe Morris and kind of be like three yards. Yeah. Pretty cool. And they starts, we're starting to get into like a more of a wide open offense here. But you know, I, I, I kind of wonder whether or not, um, this game, like th- this movie, it, you could put it out today and it would it would feel pretty realistic, I think, in some ways. The, the, I, thought, uh, I thought watching on HBO, I thought it was realistic. Yeah. It, se- it seemed like not that, didn't seem like it came out 18 years ago. You know, it wasn't realistic though. So they're playing the AFFA. Yeah. <laughs> they try to win the Pantheon Cup. It's a league that has two Miami teams. And an Albuquerque expansion team. I freeze framed the TV to get most of these names, then went on the line for the rest. Here are the team names they came up with because they show like their schedule for the year. The Miami Sharks are the are Pacino's team. The Seattle Prospects. Okay. Kinda. Yeah. The LA Breakers. Wasn't that a team or was that the Boston Breakers? I think it was the Boston, Boston Breakers. Breakers. Yeah. Minnesota Americans. The Houston Cattlemen. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Uh, the Washington Lumberman. I, th- I guess that would be Pacific Northwest. Wait, so there's a Seattle and a Washington? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Two Washington teams. <laughs> <laughs> that one plays in Tacoma. <laughs> the Texas Rattlers. Yeah. I like that. Is that the Dallas team they play at the end? Unclear. Or- Oregon Pioneers. So wait, there's two Seattle, there's two Washington teams and an Oregon team. This is amazing. (laughs) They really beefed up the Pacific Northwest. San Francisco Knights, Orlando Crushers. This is one of my favorites. The Kansas Twisters. Oh, wow. That's a strong name. The Wisconsin Icemen. Hmm. The Icemen, that's a a strong name. Why can't the Las Vegas NHL team be the Las Vegas Icemen? (laughs) It's a good good name. I don't know. A lot of teams. uh, The California Crusaders. The New York Emperors. The Chicago Rhinos. The Maine Androids. Yeah. So Maine had a team. That's a long flight. My That's Maine crazy. to Seattle. Yeah. Long flight. Tough There's on the no players. There's no direct flights. Colorado Blizzards. And then finally, the Albuquerque Aztecs. You know who I think- I'm uh, taking over an expansion team in Albuquerque. I, you know who I think might have a, some points about the amount of teams in different geographic areas here? Who? Is- uh, Jack Rose, John C. McGinley's Jim Rome character. <laughs> Unapologetic Jim Rome ripoff. Is Jim Rome mad when he sees this movie? I don't I don't know. I love the cutaway to where he's like writing his column and he's like, like he's a, a cigar. warrior poet, the yeah. 21st century football player. Oh, it's great. And then he's got his like in the jungle moment with uh with Beeman. He's like, I love it. You're dope, you're fresh, you're original. I know. And then so one of the unrealistic parts of this movie is Pacino punches him at one yeah, point. Right. Which I feel like would be a bigger deal. It might be a yeah, suspension. Yeah, but in, I mean, I think that like there was just not enough internet there to make that bit, like a huge thing. It would have just been like, oh, did you hear like Charles Barkley spit on someone? You know? Yeah, like when the two Eagles beat writers <laughs> yeah. punch each other. That was we a got bigger a oral story history than, out of that. Yeah. I know that was a bigger story than Pacino McGinley. 
LT chainsawing a SUV was pretty unrealistic. Jamie Foxx puking on the field twice. Twice. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know if we needed that. Don't know if I believe. Not in that sure one. if there would be a Blue Angels flyover during a regular practice when the guys <laughs> just try and fill. There's a that happens right when Harvey Mandrake gets fired. Yeah, and there's just like randomly F-16s flying over the stadium. I would be actually quite alarmed if that happened. All right, a couple important questions for you. First of all, do you think Harvey Mandrake versus Matthew Modine paralleled Willem Dafoe versus Tom Berenger? <laughs> I think so. It's all about duality. Is that what Stone yeah. was going for there? Yeah. He's good in the bad. Like James Woods, when he walked off the field, could have raised his arms. Like, Don't you think, Christ. though, prestige television being what it is, can't we get a Dr. Harvey Mandrake spinoff? A lot, like a, just like an eight episode, like what's Mandrake doing in Miami now? He, we always talked about heat check movie performances yeah. where like, uh, you know, Jamal Crawford plays 17 minutes and scores 28 points yeah. and hits 10 threes. James Woods in this movie, he plays like nine minutes and he goes like nine for 10 he gets to the line seven times, and I think he has three steals. And then has an incredible exit speech. Yeah. You know, where he's just like, these guys are gladiators. You know, like, right. I will not take the responsibility of standing in front of these guys in greatness. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, he's basically like, Tony D'Amato knew the whole time. Right. That they were doing all this stuff to the players, which, you know, I think these are still plots that exist in football right now. Yeah. What's changed? Seriously, yeah. Nothing. I still think that they... Think about everything this this movie covers from the medical stuff. Oh, it stuff. says now you're going to play innocent. Oh, yeah, right. But I think, like everything this movie covers from the stadium stuff, the public funding of the stadium stuff, the CTE concussions, the power plays among coaches. I mean, are you watching it? I watched it happen with the Eagles a couple years ago. You see right. like these kinds of palace intrigue type of situations in the front offices. Let's talk about some of the casting. Jim Brown is the defensive coordinator. Montezuma Monroe. Montezuma Monroe. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely Stone. I don't know how many drinks he had before he came up with the guy's name. Jim Brown coaching Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. And so you're you going to get me fired. Probably two of the nine greatest football players of all time. Yeah. And they're doing scenes together. Terrell Owens is in this, catches a touchdown in the climactic yeah, game. Yeah, so what's up with that? Like he was, was he just supposed to be like there for like, for like scenery or like, was he going to have a role acting as a wide receiver named Owens? Charlton Heston is the commissioner. Yeah. What a great, great scene from him. How's your golf game? (laughs) That he's, what does he say? He says, uh, I honestly believe that woman would eat her young (laughs) about Cameron Diaz. (laughs) So you have Anne Margaret, who we mentioned before, who is like, by all accounts, Number one in the 60s. Yeah. For all red blood. Oh, males. I think I thought Just it was Angie Dickinson, Sam Margaret. Okay. Oh, you're right. Is it Angie Dickinson? That would be one of the best podcasts I could ever have is get somebody who's like 80 years old to break down Ann Margaret versus Angie Dickinson. <laughs> Bob Evans, where is he? It was A Margaret. Bob Evans? Ann Margaret versus Angie Dickinson was like the bird and magic of some year <laughs> in the 60s. You have... Uh, the shark with the huge dong. I don't know what his name was. That's right. He I should put him in the credit. Huge dong guy. Yeah. Elizabeth Berkeley. Yeah. As, as a hooker. good girlfriend. Hooker, Call yeah. girl. Yeah. Call girl or, or girlfriend? Not, not clear. Yeah. I mean, I think a little bit of both. He's, I, I think call girl. By the end of the movie, he's like, I've pissed away everybody. All my money. <laughs> everybody who's loved me. We can get to the final speech. Oliver Stone is a hot take color guy. Yeah. That's so amazing. So who is he supposed to be? 
Um, well, he's a local guy. And the funny thing is, is that he does stuff that like Bob Euchre does in major league where he like sneaks a drink in between and like is high fiving. I guess he's supposed to be sort of like a, I don't know, like a Merrill Reese, Tommy. I mean, like just like one of those guys who's like sort of a homer, but they, they seem pretty skeptical about the team in the beginning. Yeah. I, I like Stone and Tarantino will always sneak themselves oh, yeah. into their own movie, to yeah. which would totally Stone be my move as a director. Platoon. He's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. calling in something and he just gets blown up. Uh, we mentioned McGinley. Johnny Unitas, Dick Buckus, and Wyatt Tittle play coaches. Yeah, all those guys in the opposite. Remember when Demata's like, I know this coach. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, you're going to run the same play for the third time in a row? He's like, I know this coach. And, and like the coach on the, the other side, like, it's a run, it's a run. Yeah. Like he calls it out totally. <laughs> The music we have to talk about quickly. Yeah. A lot of like Moby style, like really, good, techno, really yeah. good, weird soundtrack. DMX, one of the best DMX songs yeah. on this. Jamie Foxx has a little thing at the end, the Any Given Sunday song in the credits, which I kind of like. <laughs> I love a song that's named after the movie. Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's great. It's a great idea. And then uh, you have kind of the precursor for the Friday Night Lights. Oh, because of the speech. Yeah, that music. Because oh, it's the music, not the only yeah. time that music, that weird kind of soulful thoughtful guitar yeah, sound like the kind of it's sort of almost like like really slowed down you too yeah I wonder if Peter Berg maybe that planted a seed you for think him. I think it did yeah of course we forgot to mention second stringer Tyler whatever his name was who was really the Brock o- the future, what's his yeah, name Tyler yeah. Cherbucci future Brock Osweiler <laughs> you have the machine gun celebration yeah which has to be commended there was two, right? What was one of them was the machine gun. One was like the grenade explodes. Yeah. Do you That'd know be who, like a seventy-five yard penalty? Now. If we're talking about the people in this movie, I don't. I think we got to give give a little up for Quaid. Quaid and I was going to say Lauren Holly. Yeah, that's actually the like psycho a, wife. They, but they have like a. It's great how she flips. I think Lauren Holly is is my number two character in this movie that could have been blown out into like if this was the 10 episode Netflix series could have like the Roonies could have had their own episode. I wanted, I wanted more about Lauren Holly's life. Yeah. Cause it was basically like the prototype of Peyton Manning's wife. Who's very nice. And I don't actually Manning. He like slap, she like slaps him and she she's hits just, him. Yeah. It's the only domestic violence in the movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, there's a hint of it when Jamie Foxx is getting into it with Layla Rashawn. Yeah. And she's and just like, like oh, oh no, now you're oh, no. a star. You don't know. You like, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a little, Domestic violence in the air, but thank God nothing happened. But then when it actually happens, it's Lauren Holly whooping on Dennis Quaid, who, you know, at the time, Troy Aikman was at the end of his career. I used to joke at the time about Troy Aikman's concussion face. Quaid mastered that face. And I can't tell if it was acting or if that's just how he was. Yeah. But he had that kind of blank. Kind of stunned. My my brains are a little scrambled. He's like, I can't hold the spoon anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There's that weird scene where it's like. Cro- Nick Crozier, Cap Rooney, Julius, like it's Ella Cool J and D'Amato. And they're talking about whether Beeman, you know, does the right things out on the field. It's actually, that's actually a really cool scene when they're in the locker room. Right. Yeah. I, like, I like that scene. I love the uh, LT in the sauna. Yeah. Which I have here. <laughs> LT in the sauna. He says, this is, by the way, LT delivers like a monologue in this movie. <laughs> He actually, this is like, look how long this is. This is a whole paragraph. It's a monologue. He says, for every sucker who makes it, for every Barry Sanders, for every Jerry Rice, there's a hundred N-words you never heard of. Sure, the game taught you how to strut, how to talk shit, how to hit, but what else? Suddenly there's no more money, no more women, no more applause, no more dream. That's what I'm trying to say to you. When a man looks back at his life, he should be proud of all of it. 
not just the years he spent in pads and cleats, not just memories of when he was great. You got to learn that in here. If you don't, you ain't a man. You're just another punk. <laughs> LT. Yeah, it's, it's like Denzel Washington. And they don't do a lot of cutting away or punching. No, he, he does it. it off. Yeah. How did he remember that? So should we should we wrap up by talking about the Pacino speech? Yeah, let's do it. Well, no, we have to. We, we got to talk about the Willie Beeman song. Okay. The lyrics are gotta get to work, that's right. You know, come on, uh, come on, come on, come on. You know my name, my name is Willie. Willie Beeman. <laughs> I keep my ladies creaming. I'm gonna guess that a song that has the words, I keep my ladies creaming. Yeah. You're gonna get fined or suspended. Do you think that was written by Oliver Stone? Or they bring somebody in to do that? I think they brought in, I think DMX helped them. Yeah. Because right. DMX had another song in there. Maybe they got DMX's thing in there. Oh, we forgot one great James Woods quote. You're the internist. I'm the orthopedist, remember? <laughs> Bone, muscle, joint, me. Runny nose, diarrhea, gonorrhea, pink eye, you. Got it? <laughs> James Woods. Harvey Mandrake. Classic Can Harvey Mandrake. Mandrake come back? That's what I want. Could we have a meeting with James Woods where we're like, hey, James. Why can't we, we just do Harvey Mandrake bloodline back? But Dr. Just, Harvey yeah, Mandrake. Yeah, just have it be about Dr. Harvey Mandrake living on Key West. <laughs> I would be so into it. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about the last football game at all. Okay. Let's do that and then we'll do inches. Okay. Last football game. Unbelievable fourth down stop by LT. Yes. Who we think might have gotten paralyzed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not he gets funny. wheeled off. He gets wheeled. <laughs> There's so many guys getting wheeled off on stretchers in this movie. <laughs> he he's the he's like, all right, but he moved his hand at one point. So yeah. I think he just got knocked out. But then so they're running down. They score what seems to be the game winning touchdown, called back on a flag. It's the whole football. The last football game scene is really, really good. Yeah. It's really like top notch. And then it leads to like, there's nine seconds left. S- somehow it's like a 200 yard field. Like it seemed like they were way, <laughs> they get a fourth down stop, but they still have to go 140 yards yeah. for a touchdown. And they call Comanche and Nick Crozier's like Comanche and, and Pacino, who's now aggressive because yeah. he's learned from Willie Beeman how to be aggressive yeah, he's, again. He's the gambler. He's like Ron Rivera. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, we're running Comanche. <laughs> so, so Comanche is basically, they send all the receivers out. Jamie Foxx rolls to the right along with LL Cool J, who's running down the sidelines yeah. with him. He scrambles for 20 yards as he's about to get hit, flips it to LL Cool J. So it's like a little bit hook and laddery. Sure. And then LL Cool J sprints down the sidelines because, again, it's a 170-yard football field. Yeah. And then steps out with like a second left. Yeah. And then that leads to the dive. Yeah. Well, that's basically the Cam Newton QB sneak. Yeah. But it's as if like the guy is Jamie Foxx turns into Edwin Moses and is able to like leap from like, again, like the, the dimensions of the field are a little weird. Where like now all of a sudden they're like on, on the 11 yard line. Yeah. Because his leap is like going forward, but like has like the wrong physical trajectory for a body that would be going in that direction. <laughs> I think Oliver Stone, they were like, Oliver, uh, there's some continuity issues with the yardage. Line. He's like, screw that. Just put it on the Ben Hurt. Welcome to Vietnam. Just cut to the sky. I love chaos. <laughs> Show me Heston. Yeah, so their last two plays are Comanche, which I really hope we see during the, any of these football weekends yeah. with whatever. And then the 11-yard QB dive. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had heard that speech, you'd be able to do it too. Yeah. All right. So let's do the speech. I don't know what to say, really, but <laughs> the speech... It, 
I thought everybody agreed that this was one of the great sports movie scenes of all time. Is there some disagreement about that? I think there's slight disagreement. I well, think people think it's top. an overrated speech. It's uh, The thing that makes this speech is the fact that it's TMI. He goes, he starts out and you're like, okay, okay. And then he starts just like, I've pissed away all my money. Right. Believe I've it or not. I've driven away everyone who loved like, me. I believe it. If you piss away, if you play your money any way you play your like offense, you should probably piss it away. Hmm. <clears throat> and then he's like, everybody who's ever loved me, I've pushed them away. And it's like, can you imagine your coach all of a sudden just like giving you all this information about yourself? I wanted to go further. Like, My breast smells like an ashtray. <laughs> I can't get an erection. Jack Rose says that I'm a fossil. Uh, it's just a. I can't get an erection unless I'm wearing a nightgown. It's just really crazy to watch though, because all the cutaways and there's actually like a really extra long Jamie Foxx reaction shot, where which is actually of, one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, it's like where he's just, finally getting through to him. He's staying with him, and he's yeah. just and 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 it's it just gets very effective after a while. So it's. Repute, reportedly based on a Marty Schottenheimer speech, right? That's like yeah. The so I rumor. looked at that. That I mean, granted, we're getting some of our information from the internet. And yeah, Lord knows, especially when you go to like IMDb trivia, sure. like we could put up stuff there, and who knows if it would stick. But they said it was a Marty Schottenheimer 1989 Cleveland Brown speech. Okay, that it was based on. But Marty Schottenheimer's speech was like one day my son Brian. He's going to ruin the Jets. Hey, Shadows, we're going to go out of here. We're going to lose with 20 seconds left. We got this, guys. But uh, there's no record of that speech on YouTube. I looked. Right. But I don't know, man. It's it's when you see it all written down and when we do, when we put up this post for the podcast, I just want to run the inches speech. Sure. It's pretty effective, man. It's like. He has this one part, you know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. That's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's a game of inches. So is football. <laughs> I started thinking about it like, yeah, man, start losing stuff. Yeah, it is about the inches. As you get older, the inches sure. are all around us, Chris And it's Ryan. nice too, because like, it's, it's very much like, it becomes an, it, after this movie is so cartoonish for all of it, all, all, most of it, it just becomes very human. And it, that's actually like what Friday Night Lights did was take that halftime speech and then say like, an why don't we just show. make this the whole thing? Where yeah. Football is as important in li- as life and life is as important as football and everybody who's involved lives and dies with each other. And it's not like contracts and this and that and the other thing. And then it movie wraps version, up the whole movie. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. You know, the other thing that's frustrating about it is Stone Mag, as we discussed earlier, like like he mangles the scene with with uh, the dinner scene, which should have been better. Yeah. But in this scene, he just leaves it alone. He lets Pacino And he act. actually does do a couple of subtle things. Like he'll cut and you'll keep hearing Pacino's voice, but it'll be another shot of Pacino. Right, a freeze Kind of like reacting or, yeah. or like sighing or something. And it's, it's very effective. Yeah. Do you like this speech better than the Billy Bob speech in the Friday Night Lights movie? Oh, fuck yeah. I okay. think this is the best speech that's ever been given in a sports movie. <laughs> There's another one in this movie called Vision Quest that probably nobody's seen, but the guy gives at the end of Vision Quest, Matthew Modine doesn't know if he's going to wrestle shoot. Right. The whole movie is about Matthew Modine's this wrestler. He drops all this weight to wrestle shoot, and he's friends with this chef at the hotel that he works with. And the the girl that he's dating splits, and he decides he doesn't want to go through with the match. And who the hell knows? It's an '80s movie plot. He goes to see the chef, and the chef's getting dressed. Do you remember this? Yeah. And he's like, you're coming to this? He's like, hell yeah, I'm coming. I took the day off. And then he tells this whole story about this time he watched this Pele <laughs> soccer game. Yeah. 
and Pele scored and fans are crying and he was crying and he's like, he's like, it's not, Modine says something like it's, it's six minutes, like six minutes on the mats. He's like, it's not the six minutes. It's what happens in the six minutes. <laughs> That's as good as this. as this, but this is longer and it's filmed better. And, uh, I don't know. It, it also tied up the movie because the whole movie, the team's not on the same page, right? Yeah. I mean, if you really like, if they had made this movie correctly and it was two hours, it's really a movie about a team that's split. It's got a fucked up owner. It's got this old quarterback, new quarterback thing. It's got the offensive coordinator breathing down the head coach's neck. LL Cool J and Jamie Foxx aren't getting along. It's got, and then LT's mad at everybody and, but then he, the speech, he ties everyone together. He's like, you got to be willing to die for the guy yeah, next yeah. to you. That's the only way you win. But this speech could have been terrible, which oh, is why yeah. I think it's so good. Like, this really could have been, like, the end of Pacino's career. cut away, because, like, the first shot of this movie is literally lightning striking and guys playing football in the sky. So it, it was in play for this speech to get ruined. Right. And they must have just really known what they had with, like, the performance and everything and and not gotten in the way of it because otherwise you would have just expected like the blue angels to fly through the locker room or something. It's four minutes and 35 seconds and the speech is 465 words. Wow. And Pacino just rattles it off. And the thing is like, if that's Clint Eastwood, there's no way. Oh no. It's like, like that's 20 seconds. Nero, there's if no it's way. Clint Eastwood, they have Nick Crozier give the speech and just be like, we got to exploit right. their, they're not checking the guy in the flat. We got to dump it down a lot. <laughs> Let's go out there, guys. Go through Come your on. progressions. Come on, guys. Let's do your do job. <laughs> but I think, like, you look at the great moments of Pacino's career. Because to, to me, this is really the legacy of this is it's like the beginning of Jamie Foxx's career and it's the end of sure. Pacino's career. And Pacino, Godfather 2 is his peak. Mm -hmm. It's his apex. That's one of the great acting performance. Like, Kay telling him about the abortion. It's all an all-time scene by an actor. And just the whole thing and how he changes from one to two and... His body changes, his mannerisms, everything is amazing. But then Dog Day Afternoon, he's great. Yeah. Um, and Justice for All, which was kind of early, Scent of a Woman, Heat, Any Given Sunday, Pacino, he's great in that. I really like Sea of Love. I love Sea of Love, man. I thought he was great in Scent of a Woman. Heat, him versus De Niro, which we did a podcast a year ago on the on the. He's BS great podcast. in the Glengarry movie. Yeah, he's, he had a lot of great moments, but I think this speech was was the last one. But yeah. there's there's a movie that show that's on cable sometimes called 88 Minutes. Oh, really? What's that? Horror movie. Okay. He's in it? Yeah, he's he's like a, a, he's been chasing down this serial killer. <laughs> and now it's on a college campus. And it's just, you know, he's still got the crazy Pacino hair. And it's he's just kind of at the very tail end of everything. And it's just, it's this interesting. is the last movie he was great in. You know, in. the De Palma was making or was going to make a Paterno movie with him. And I, I don't think that ever came out or maybe never got made, but it was like, there was a lot of problems with the production as you can imagine, but it would have been interesting to see him cap his career with a couple of last few great performances. And that, that would have been an interesting movie. Those two guys. Has he made a good movie in the last 10 years? No, I think literally this is the end. Cause this is, a, this is the end of that nineties run where he's like Carlito's way, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Carly's way. you know, insider this, there's just like so many good movies in the nineties from him. You know what else is great about this? He's back in Miami. Where he was Tony Montana, yeah, which is both the peak and the valley, which of his Oliver career. Stone wrote Scarface, right? Yeah, right. And the great thing about him and Scarface is it doesn't ever feel like it's Pacino. It's like it's this own character slash person. So if you could get an any given Sunday about any NFL team now, what would you make it about? Who would you make it about? 
Or what would any given Sunday look in 2017? Yeah, exactly. If they, or if they made any given Sunday as like a season of each, on 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 HBO or Cinemax, I think or it would definitely be a TV show. Now. Yeah, I don't think it would be a movie. I think a lot of the themes would be the same, but I think the difference would be now everybody would be much more wary of concussions. Yeah, and about the percent, more of it would be about the perception of oh, we can't have the fans think this or we're going to get in trouble or the league, you know, we can't, we can't do it that way. And it would be a lot more of trying not to get caught Yeah. versus this 1999 movie is more about, this is just the way we do it. I mean, I definitely, there's like, just like watching what happened with Romo and Dak this year, it shows why the, the cap and Beeman storyline is like so interesting. And you would have had something like that. I think the ownership stuff is really interesting. And they're like getting the city to pay for it and leveraging Miami or leveraging LA against Miami. Romo never won two Pantheon cups. Though. That's true. That's true. And, da- and, Dak and was Cap Rooney never went to Cabo and, and, and ruined the playoffs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be, I would definitely keep it in Miami. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of two Miami teams. I That's think great. it's great. I think Levitard and Stugatz are definitely in it. The best part about Miami too is that you just have these random monsoon days where it's just like the no, in no other place in the NFL is there ever like, oh, it's the torrential downpour. <laughs> oh People's lives are in danger. I think Stugatz is Jack Rose. Is Last Boy Scout set in Miami or LA? LA. Miami? Uh, no, you're right, LA. LA, yeah. Where do you stand on that? Is that a sports movie? Uh, no, there's only like two sports scenes in that movie. But I love it. I mean, I love that movie. I don't know why they had Damon Wayans throw left-handed. <laughs> I just, even in the theater, I'm, I think I saw that by myself. I'm just looking around in my room, like dying to talk to anyone in the theater about I know. it. Like, really? Left-handed? You're going to complete, you're going to foil a bomb left-handed from 58 yards away? So any given Sunday, we both agree still holds up. Oh, sure. It's on HBO. It's on demand. It is uh, two and a half hours of your time well spent. Yeah. I gotta say, my wife watched it with me because I had to take notes to, I want to be ready for this. And she's like, oh, I don't remember this. I was like, we saw this on a date. She's like, I don't remember. We watched it. She was kind of into it. Yeah. It doesn't really drag. It's very soap opera. It's very dramatic. It, what would it, you cut if you had to cut a half hour out of this movie? Um, It's tough because I probably would cut the Elizabeth Berkeley part. I don't think that that part is like really makes any sense and doesn't really wind up affecting it that much. I would want to keep all the cap and Lauren Holly stuff. And I, I, even though like the rap video stuff is stupid, it just, it's effective in showing it would be like a really short time span for a quarterback to go from a bench play. Can you imagine if Dak got the start in week two, but instead got week, like, it's like week six in this league. Right. And he had a rap video by week nine. Everybody yeah, would be like, fast. Hey man, that's like a little bit fast. It did seem fast. The, the, uh, but I would never cut Harvey Mandrake. I would never cut. I think you're right about cutting the, all the Pacino personal stuff. Cause they did the, apparently his son is in the movie and that got left. It's in the Blu-ray. Oh really? But there's this whole played by Jim Cavazil. The, oh uh, right. I saw that that got cut out. Yeah. Yeah. So they cut that stuff out. So there's more Pacino. I'm amazed that they got Stone to keep this under three hours. I know. I know. He's a legendary, never cut anything out. What and was the movie made, made? Alexander? Yeah, it was three. And like the it's director's like cut hours. out is like four hours long. Yeah. Yeah. And it ruined Colin Farrell's life. <laughs> yeah, I don't like know. I think you could get to like 210 with this, but I don't Pretty think easily. you could do. Also, it just would be a very effective like 45 minutes a week show. You could just do so much different stuff. Well, what the further adventures of Nick Crozier? Yeah, wasn't this Playmakers? Basically? I guess so, but not with the amount of flair and like the, the like the 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 dramatic violence. Last question: What does the rest of Willie Beeman's career look like? And more importantly, what does the rest of Nick Crozier's career look like? Nick Crozier is currently coaching a Pac-10 school. 
I think he gets fired in a year and a half. School. Yeah. <laughs> I think he might. He he comes back with Tony. Yeah. He goes to Albuquerque for a year or two, but it's not. It's just not the same. Yeah. And then ends up at like. University of Washington, yeah, or or Baylor or something like that. <laughs> Baylor, yeah, he's somewhere where it's like his third stop, and he had gotten to the mountaintop, and he yeah. just keeps going down. And then what happens? What's Willie Beeman's career look like? I uh, I think that he has a very. I want to I want to believe that he could be like a Drew Brees, but I think it's probably more like a journeyman. Like he keeps catching like a I Vince it, Young kind of career. Yeah, it's somewhere between Aaron Brooks. And Vic, like where the running QB, where they just took right, like an RG three, they took too many hits. Yeah, maybe he broke probably, his knee probably out. broke his yeah. shoulder at some point. Yeah, D- didn't become the same guy. There's a whole round of stories in August about how he's got to stay in the pocket more to, to sure. protect himself. He's not the same. Guys not the same mojo. Buckus and United start scheming against him. <laughs> they got right. enough tape, <laughs> and he's probably out of the league in seven years. Yeah. All right, any given Sunday. That's it for the Sports Movie Hall of Fame. The other two we did, Jerry Maguire and Moneyball, are on Channel 33. This one will end up there as well. And then we have some ideas for the fourth one. But we got to start bringing a guest on that yeah. was involved with the movie, Mix I it think, up. as the last 20 minutes, maybe. Like James Woods. Jimmy Woods, if you're out there, <laughs> oh, you're so scared of James Woods. <laughs> Chris, like, don't, man, don't do it. Don't do it. He's in a dead guy. <laughs> Uh, that's it. Thanks to SeatGeek. Don't forget with SeatGeek, uh, our presenting sponsor, the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Drop your old ticket app. Use one built for 2017 and beyond. Do everything on your phone. Unfortunately, you can't download Any Given Sunday on SeatGeek yet, but it does a whole bunch of other stuff for you. And check out Any Given Sunday on HBO Now. Let me see if you can get some available. front row Albuquerque seats. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> HBO Go, HBO Now, Any, Any Given Sunday is on there. Yeah, and the Albuquerque... Aztecs? Probably. Season tickets still available. <laughs> you get that? CK, yeah, a good point. Way to bring it around, Chris Ryan. Thank you. You can't win! You cannot lose.